My name is Harrison Wheeler, and you're listening to Technically Speaking. My next guest is Ron Bronson. We talk about consequence design. He says, all design interactions have consequences. Whether it's someone getting stuck buying a train ticket from a kiosk, hidden menus inside of web applications, or card-only convenience stores. In an always-on world, an increased constellation of digital tools can bring both significant benefits, but also harm with every notification, menu, or poorly researched interaction. Like, we've gone in the world where if you don't give a thing five stars, it's bad. And like, what is the, what is a rating system if I can't give you a four? You know, or God forbid I gotta give you a two because it was just a bad experience. And I need you to know that. I don't want anybody to get fired over it. It's been a while. The last time we ran across each other, I think, was probably, is that like 13 years ago? It feels like it's, forever. It's, it's probably crazy. Not that long ago. It was, no, I wasn't 13, <laughs> but it was like uh, 20, it had to be somewhere between. A 2014, 2015. 2014. It got it the latest. It couldn't have been later. It was, it, was a, it, was, it was the latest because I was still in Iowa, right? Yeah, you so were still was, in Iowa, yeah. I think it was tw- It was actually probably 2013. Yep, that sounds right then. Yep, yep. Uh, so, so seven years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, you know, with, with uh, you know, you know, this all shelter in place thing, it feels mm-hmm. like 10 years ago, right? Because we've That's already true. gone through through half right. a year. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's been already been a couple of years just in this year. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah, man. So so uh, tell me about your journey. What is it? What has it been been like so far? Because where, where were you living back then? I know you're in higher oh, education. Gosh. But... I was probably in Wyoming. If you were in Iowa, I was in Wyoming. Wow. So, which I know anybody listening to this is go, wait, you got two brothers on the call. One lived in <laughs> Iowa. And the other guys in Wyoming, what kind of lives are y'all living? Like, look, <laughs> the grind takes you places, people. The grind takes you places. One hundred percent. You gotta yeah, go. Man. You gotta go. You gotta go. Get get that get that money. Get that experience, and then you can live wherever you want to live. One hundred percent. After that, and that's what I had to do, and I don't regret it because if I hadn't done it, y'all wouldn't be talking to me. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but it was funny to think about. Um, so yeah, I was there and I was working in higher ed and then I, I worked in higher ed for two more years, really like a more like a year and then switched over to sort of, um, I was in higher ed, but it was like a quasi governmental organization. So, yeah. you know, it's the system level, uh, higher ed. So it wasn't on a campus. And then from there, um, after about a year and a half of being independent, I went to local government, um, which is actually pretty cool, um, because it gave me the opportunity to. You know, I tell people all the time, the cool thing about working in, in tech, it, you know, sure, like on the web, if you're working in IT and local government, probably not as fun for people like us, but yeah. working on the web in local government was fun because, and obviously it was Bloomington, Indiana. So, you know, Big Ten town, not, right. it's not New York City. But the right. beauty of what I liked about that, though, was that in this stage of my career, what was cool about it was like, people have problems with things on the website or something like that. They come right to you and be like, hey, hmm. you know, that thing didn't work. Or you go to a party with your friends and they'd be like, <laughs> hey, uh, my friend said you you do the you do this website for the city. You know, I was on this page and uh and I couldn't find this one link. And I'm like, this is amazing user research. You get all this user right. feedback. Like you could you could go to parties and show people websites. You're like, hey, we're doing this demo. You want to look at it? And some people will be annoyed by that, but I loved yeah. it. I thought that was like, such a cool way to like. I really have always wanted the web to be more retail to be not retail right. in a consumer way, but more of like I want people to be able to to know that this stuff is made for you. You have right. access, you have input, and we want that input. We want that you have that access. And so yeah, having there, that, yeah, yeah, yeah there, 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 There's something novel to the idea that like a digital experience can be personified in an actual person, mm-hmm. right? 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, so that was really cool. And now, you know, now I'm working at scale, you know, went from local government to sort of the, the big house. Can't talk about that, but but, but y'all can Google it if you want to, where I, where I currently ply my trade day to day. And um, yeah. and that's, that's also cool for different reasons, but, you know, also, yeah. some, also some similar ones. Yeah. Right, right. So so in terms of that journey, journey obviously it's led you into to sort of many different pathways. Um, you know, one of the things that we were talking about um, and that you've actually talked quite a bit about is this concept of, of consequence design. And um, before we at least get into that, like, what are some of the themes early on that helped to develop, uh, you know, moving in this direction? So you've been around a while, so you've seen you've seen the evolution, yeah. which I appreciate. You've seen me start off and kind of be this proto conversation and it's evolved yep. this thing where I'm like, oh, these all tie together. So right. In the old days, it was even before I started talking about dark patterns, which, you know, we right. anti-patterns, US anti-patterns, before I even got there, it started with me thinking about service experiences and service design experiences. And so thinking about things like watching people using like Chicago, you know, there's the L and you have those just kiosks that folks use to, uh, that's actually where I started. The first time I really ever thought about this for real was watching folks. I got this train, I had to go take the train somewhere. And I was in the train station for hours because I missed my train or something. I spent like four hours watching people navigate this kiosk to buy a ticket. And it was miserable watching folks, like old people, young people. I had a problem with it. At one point, I went to go mess with it. I didn't even need a ticket because I already had a ticket. But I wanted to play with this thing just to see what they were experiencing because I thought it can't be that hard. And turns out it was miserable. And I started seeing this across the board with these kinds of experiences. And that led me towards thinking more about you know, user interface, uh, UI, UI dark patterns and, and UI anti-patterns and mm-hmm. looking at the ways that we create deception on the web and how designers are complicit mm-hmm. with, you know, either directly or indirectly with the kinds of, uh, uh, you know, creating, creating, you know, creating deception, trying to, to, try to deceive people to keep them on your, your app or your tool or your website or whatever else, or using, you know, language to do the same thing. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at you. New York Times. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's just exactly. It's the worst offenders are, are sites like, yeah, like their biggest sites in the world. Yeah. They're the worst offenders of this. And, yeah. and maybe they can justify it. But I don't know that you can. I don't, you know, in a world where it's hard to explain, can you? And so from there, yeah. it started thinking about how do we, and you start thinking about hostility. And so I started framing it in that context of like yeah. how, and it's not so much about trying to make people feel bad about the work they do, but it's, I don't, I think it's the problem that made, made me mad was, is hearing about empathy. I was like, oh, I want to empathize with the user. And I'm like, look at the, who's designing the tools and the applications. How are you going to empathize with me? You don't empathize with me on a normal day. How are you going to empathize with me? You're building a tool. I don't believe you. Right. You need more people. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, so that was where I started to think this is the wrong framing or other folks who write books about this stuff and say, oh, well, what we really need is just, we need a code, a, a code of ethics, like a, uh, uh, like like doctors have, and I'm like, yeah. Last thing the thing the design needs is a damn bar association. That's going to make design way better. Is a damn bar association. So anyway, all that to say, thinking about all those pieces of it made me think they're all connected. This hostility is designed yeah. in extra actual experiences. It's designed online, and so how how do you put it all together? And what is it? And so that led me to sort of this 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 thing. I'm you know still slowly writing a book on consequence design, which I think. I don't have a definition, so don't ask me. Don't put me on the spot and ask me for a definition because I don't have a succinct succinct definition yet. But I will say that basically it's thinking about 
thinking about the the intended the ideal state of what you're designing yeah. and then working backwards to all the consequences embedded in that you know right. and i think that so then it takes it away from oh well, i can't do that my, my my role is an empowered to fix that it's not my job it's not my job okay it's not your job but what is your job what can you affect yeah. what can you impact what can you map what can you design right. to affect the conversation in a way right right Ever have an idea of starting a podcast? I had one for quite a while before I took the leap and started Technically Speaking. Anchor.fm made it easier than ever. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast, and it has everything you need in one place. Let me explain. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone, tablet, or computer. It handles all of your distribution so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Did I mention it's free? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'd I'd love to, you know, we, we don't have to get into the definition um, but are there any sort of, uh, experiences that make the all-star hall of fame of those violators, you know, for you? Um, well, I mean, GoDaddy is an easy one. Cause if you ever, if you, everybody, anybody's ever bought a domain on GoDaddy, I haven't recently, but in the old days I did, you know, it was cheap, you know, really yeah. good promo codes you get. Um, yep. it was awful because there's this situation where you buy the domain and then there's all these, these, uh, these modals that come up. Um, and then to the pages that, you know, you don't have any chance mm-hmm. to try to deactivate or change things, or it tries to get you to buy stuff that you don't really want. Um, yep. lots of trickery. Um, there are lots of others that I, I'm not blanking on right now because I don't ever like to call anybody out because I feel bad, yeah. but I've been, I've been, I've been seeing, uh, a lot of, and this is like a new trend as of late, but if I don't sign up for your newsletter, oh, yes. they send me the, these like, oh, you don't want to sign up for your mm-hmm. newsletter, so your life is going to suck. And I'm like, yo, why, why are you coming at me right, like that? Right, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, lots of those newsletters. Or uh, yeah, that's actually a good article about this in um, uh, one of the one of these um, independent magazines that did a whole story on the guilt the guilt yeah. trips that people are putting in their content mm-hmm. now to try to make you feel yeah. bad about not subscribing or paying for the you know paying for their service. Or, or right. my personal favorite apps that ask you to you've been you've been in the app for two minutes and is asking you to like yeah. give it five stars. Also, mm. sort of the, the the beat of that is is five star ratings at all. Like we've gone in the world right. where if you don't give a thing five stars, it's bad. And like what is the, what right. is the rating system if I can't give you a four? You know, mm. well God forbid I got to give you a two yeah. because it was just a bad experience. And I need you to know that I don't want anybody to get fired over it. Right. And that's the thing too is like I now I don't even rate. Like I learned a long time ago, like I don't even use Yelp, but like with like a Uber yeah. or a Lyft, whenever I have to use them, which I don't try not to, but if I have to, I don't ever want to, unless it's a really, truly bad experience, I don't want somebody to right. lose their job over a misunderstanding mm-hmm. or because something happened. So I can't even objectively rate people, you know, not right. that I even want to. So, the, Go ahead. so the, the, the system is pretty much broken enough where... You know, the some of the consequences can cost people's jobs, but it's to the point now. And this is kind of like what I take away mm-hmm. from it, right? Like these have almost become like design yep. patterns, right? It's like you build an yep. app and you need to make sure that there is a five-star rating that happens after every single ride. Or if you've used it for a couple of days, you pop it up so you can actually get more reviews. 
Um, man, that that's that's really yeah. I, I I mean, I don't think I've ever thought about that. It has human consequences. Um, it's, it's, it's to designed to take your take your mind off of that. You're not supposed to be right. a person. This thing is, oh, we're mm. not, you know, you're supposed to take your mind off the actual individual, focus on the experience right. and the service. And so I used to ask, mm. asking the question this whole year, I'm like, what do these things look like in a world where po- in a post-service design right. world, what do these things look like? Right. And, and I don't know that we have answers because we're not thinking about it in that context. We're just, we're still trying to right. treat it. We're creating these, we, we've created these, this extra this sort of UI layer on experiences from right. the 80s. We're just living in the right. days, but we just built a UI. We just built yeah. a UI layer on top of all of it, and and right. what does that yeah. look like? We're not building. We're not truly building trans. You know, sort of fictional experiences. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so if you if you were to like take an inventory on experiences today, is there anyone that is doing is doing a good job in their experiences that that don't result in these sort of uh, you know these these dire consequences? instead of naming an individual or a thing, what I'll say is, is the experiences that I feel like that do this well, utilize friction as a, as a, as a, as a consumer, uh, as, as advocacy for the consumer, rather than using friction as a way to trap you. People, mm. When I give this, I've given versions of this talk and, and people always ask me, well, how do, how do I d- differentiate between like good friction and bad friction? And I'm like, Good friction is friction where I don't want you in my bank account. We cool, but like you don't need to be you don't need to be in there. You'd be mad anyway. But you know, that's good right. friction. Bad friction is the kind of friction where I'm like, look, I want to unsubscribe from your podcast. Like this is cool, but I you know, I don't need any more emails. Not your podcast. It's dope. But you know, some other podcast, I'm done with that, or a newsletter or something else. Like I'm done. Right. The experience, we're not great at closing the loop of the experience. Instead in saying like mm. like it's just a hilarious way to put this, but it's like being in a relationship and then both of y'all deciding, you know, it's just not a good fit, but let's be friends, maybe, right? And we yeah. don't have that kind of experience in service design at all. Right. It's either you're right. in the funnel. And you're like, what happens when you die? But you, what, my kids got to right. stay in the funnel now because I, I die and because I use this toothpaste, they got to use it too? No. Right. I bought your thing one time. Why do I need to get a lifelong commitment to emails from you because I, I bought one thing from you one time? But we don't have, we don't have, right. we don't. So I think in a world where you create that kind of humane experience, and there are people who are thinking about yeah. this intentionally, that's, those are the kinds of experiences that I feel like respect the user, respect the individual, to respect the customer, respect for people. So, so with that being said, what are, what are maybe some three things um, that designers can do to, to at least add that perspective to the work that they're doing today? Well, I think the first thing is you can, um, is consequence mapping. So, you know, really taking stock of the different, the different kinds of intended or unintended consequences from, from your tool, platform, app, uh, site, experience. The beauty of this is this applies to any experience. Um, you know, it's like, you know, even if it's something like, oh, something very simple, um, like, oh, we didn't mean for that to happen, or well, okay, we'll write it down. Because that doesn't mean you're gonna solve for all of these things, but being able to map right. these experiences, give you the give you consequences, give you the opportunity to start to interrogate each one of them to figure out the feasibility mm-hmm. of fixing it, to figure out why that's there. Maybe that's friction supposed to be there. Maybe we want people to have this barrier because it's for this reason or that reason. But we need to know, and right now we don't. We can't audit those things. So maybe less, maybe less mapping and more auditing. Um, I think the second thing is um, is thinking about sort of sort of a similar vein. Thinking about threat modeling. There's some really good things online about you know um, taking threat modeling and applying that to 
to tools and platforms as well and figuring out again kind of where are the kinds of things we're not. There's a there's a cool person online that has this tweet that's something along the lines of like, if your app has a chat or any kind of email uh, component to it, it's automatically a dating app. And I'm like, because people don't think of these things that like, you know, wow. anything, LinkedIn, whether it's Instagram, mm. whatever it is, folks are going to slot it. You know, we've joked about it. We joke about it in a, in a really casual way, but think about the, the horror involved in being, you know, being to be approached by people that are not supposed to, not supposed to be reaching out to you or not using this right. thing for this intended purpose. And so mm. again, so again, threat modeling, thinking about, you know, what are the kinds of ways folks will, will disabuse what we're trying to do. Um, and the last one is sort of one of the easier ones. I put that in quotation marks is using a designated dissenter on teams. It's having a person when you're working in, you know, working in agile situations, or if you're doing sort of, you know, in group settings, having a person on the team whose job it is to just be like, but and not to be in sort of a, the reason you change this, you, you share this hat is because of somebody who's just, you know, naysayers. We don't like, we don't like them because they're on Twitter. Don't be a reply guy. It's not designated <laughs> reply guy. It's designated dissenter. And the idea is to take sort of break down sort of the conventional assumptions organizationally, not individual assumptions about whatever it is we're building so that we can dig further into, okay, but what about this? I'm going to use it like this. I'm going to do that. And by using those different frames, once you go around the room with those kinds of frames at different times, it gives you the ability, A, to see how the folks think about things, but also different ways that different people might think to, you know, use or disuse. Uh, whatever it is you're, you're, you're designing or building. So fascinating. Dope, man. Um, so you mentioned that you're going to be speaking on this soon and you're writing a book. Uh, give us an idea of some of the upcoming events that you'll, you'll be speaking. Uh, well, the only, you know, thanks to COVID, there's not a whole lot of, there's nothing in person, but the most recent thing on next thing online is I'm doing an, an event apart uh, is doing an online event next month, but around human centered design and, I've um, been very grateful for the opportunity to uh, to talk about consequence design. Actually, for the first time, we're going to talk about this yeah. with this title. Um, I think July 20th, I believe it's online. You can learn more about that. Um, the book will be out till next year, at least. So don't 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 pressure me. <laughs> I actually, you should pressure me if you see me online. You said you said anyone it, you online said it here. totally just be like, "Hey, Ron, how's the book coming along?" Whenever you talk to me, because that's what you need to do. Because I need that kind of motivation right now. But yeah, <laughs> what, what what's your what's your Twitter account? At, I am at Ron, at Ron Bronson on Twitter. Slide into those DMs for Ron. <laughs> you can totally do that about the book. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything else you'd want to leave with the listeners today? No, nah, I appreciate this and appreciate you. This is really great and, and super, super awesome. Keep doing good work out there. Enjoy this episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast platform that you use. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at harrisonwheeler.com for the latest industry insights, new article posts, and announcements of future guests on the show. Once again, thanks for listening to this episode of Technically Speaking. I'm your host, Harrison Wheeler, and I'm out. Hey, I just launched the new YouTube channel for Technically Speaking. I don't have 100 subscribers yet to get that custom URL. So you'll have to search Technically Speaking in the search bar for the time being. Invite your friends, family, or the whole neighborhood while you're at it and tell them to subscribe.